This is Performance Time, the show about human beings and performance engineering. I'm Stephen Townsend. Today we'll be interviewing Stain Scapers, who is a performance specialist with over two decades of experience. He's based out of Belgium, works in the Netherlands, and is an avid conference speaker and blogger. Stan actually hired me for my very first job as a junior performance tester in Wellington, New Zealand, when he used to live here. So without any further ado, here is the interview I did with Stan. It's so good to talk to you. Um, it's such a shame we haven't didn't get a chance to uh, meet in person this year because of COVID, but it's great to talk to you today. The first question I had is, uh, just to set the scene, how, how did you become a performance engineer? I think that it's a good question because I don't, I do not believe that people will choose to become a performance engineer. I've heard lots of people talking about coincidence or not knowing what they were doing and just falling into it. And uh, going back uh, 22 years ago, I actually, I, I studied to become a, chem, a chemical engineer, so I don't have any IT background and I still remember actually three weeks ago my mom digged out my school my school scores and uh, there was 30% on IT so that was I think was Pascal programming so I was really really bad at it because it was so easy the first lesson and then I thought mm, I don't need to study that because it's so easy uh, I just skipped my lessons and then I just take the exam 10 weeks later. Mm, that didn't go well. Uh, <laughs> so I, did, I didn't like IT too much. I was even these times uh, when I, yeah, I'm now I'm turning 46. So uh, that was a time that PCs, uh, PCs were really expensive. So even turning on a PC, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't dare to do that because I thought this thing was going to explode. Uh, but anyway, so I studied chemistry and I ended up in a laboratory and uh, it was so boring because I had to do the dishes all the time because that's what you do when you start being uh, working in a laboratory. So I'm not going to do that. And uh, so I skipped that and there was a an advertisement that was in 1999 when the year 2000 was going to come. That one, that that was a time that all ICT systems would explode because 1999 would become 2000. So that lots of they needed lots of people basically. So uh, I was fed up with my job, wanted to do something else. So I I, I always loved traveling, like you know, Stephen. And that was uh, you could take part of a boot camp of young people with a university degree going to a foreign country and yeah it was ict i didn't care about ict i did hear about traveling foreign country not doing the dishes and being paid <laughs> so i said yes let's do that and uh, i did an interview and, and lots of tests and then uh, was, was uh... anyway i ended up with 23 other young people and then i remember still remember uh, it was in, near to Brussels and we had to go there and we met the other people. It was like a television show and then it was, okay, you guys are going to 
South Africa. It's like, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Uh, and the IT was like secondary. So we went to Cape Town. We had a good time for three months. And uh, learned about Visual Basic, SQL, Server, Operating Systems. And I programmed for the first time in the last time in my life a three-tier program, uh, three-tier application. And uh, at the end, they actually nearly gave us like, like, like a paper thing with a with a name on it. Like you're going to be a COBOL programmer, you're going to be a Java programmer. Uh, and then and then I got my ticket and I said, you're going to be a technical tester. I said, mm. <laughs> and there were only two of us, me and, and and a lady called Inge. We were both technical testers. I said, mm, that sound that, that doesn't sound so good. Uh, and, uh, uh, so I ended up at a financial organization, a bank, an investment bank, as a technical tester. And the first thing I was doing was uh, actually using Loadrunner 5. Dot, I don't know which version. And uh, that's where it all started. I didn't know. I didn't choose for it. And I didn't like it. But uh, I'm still there. <laughs> You didn't like it initially. Yeah, but you had to do something. Now it was, I mean, the time in South Africa was finished, so I, I had to go back to normal life. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's what's the technical test? I didn't know anything. And, uh, I started to the first thing I had to do was actually to set up an environment, and they were talking about uh, about things that I just didn't know. It was all basic IT, and it's like whoa. But I believe by it just, I mean, there's no better way of learning than just having someone that helps you and learning on the job. Uh, there's no training and no nothing that will actually teach you more than actually doing the job, struggling and having someone to actually look after you. If you hadn't taken that role in South Africa and been handed Loadrunner, then then... I wouldn't have got onto performance testing either because you wouldn't have interviewed me for the role many years later. Yeah, oh. I mean, you could make a movie out of it now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think many people would watch it. Yeah, no, for sure no one would. But uh, anyway, it's coincidence. I think lots of people end up being a performance tester. It's probably now a different word. Uh, site it's difficult to even pronounce it. But anyway, uh, many many ways that you can call a profession but no it's uh don't think many people will choose to be it mm. uh luckily the name changed because I, I i actually really dislike the name tester because it's no it's just it's it's it just doesn't sound right it's a, it's a boring uh thing being a tester well it's 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 just way more way more fun it's way more exciting to be a tester than the words say so i'm happy that we talk about engineering now and uh that actually what we are doing is even way more important than in the old days so i'm quite happy how our profession evolved hmm. uh, i think it was in chamonix or maybe santorini you and i were talking and you were you were talking about how much your life as a performance engineer has improved because of devops so mm -hmm. with that in mind, I mean, what, what does a good day at work look like? Like what, what, what makes a, a good day, a good day? 
for me a good day is is nowadays about actually being being meaningful it's about making a difference and it's what uh, i've been talking quite a bit about this also in conferences is about moving to devops and moving to agile and going away from that waterfall approach for a performance test it actually meant that in, instead of looking for problems you come up with solutions uh, and bringing solutions is way more fun fun than just nagging about issues that you found and, and that's actually what i really enjoy is when there is a problem really i call it sometimes being this digital hero and i think lots of those of performance engineers are it's actually analyzing what the issue is and hopefully even in production because i like that even more i love war rooms i actually really do nowadays uh, because i do love the stress of of having issues and then being able to solve those so i really i really enjoy uh, problems in the production environment do you <laughs> Stephen? i don't think i don't think we've had many production issues recently but i probably the most enjoyable part of the job is when I found an issue before production and going in and identifying them where the problem is, especially right now in our organization, uh, we have mm -hmm. platform teams. So each team looks after just one system and I'm one of the very few people who has access and understands the whole solution. So that's, that's really valuable. The fact that I can go and get all the timings in different places and show everyone on a diagram, Hey, there's 20 seconds being spent here. What's the, what's going on? You're actually hitting the nail there. Eh? It's like the same here that as a performance engineer, you're probably one of the few people that actually understands the whole, the the whole chain, uh, the the from 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 the front end to the back end to the database to other applications interacting with the main application, and understanding. Okay, when this happens, then you need to be careful because this could happen. And I think that's one of the biggest merits or the biggest, uh, it's what we bring as a performance engineer. We are the, the people that really understand most out of a system. And you're sure it's, it's actually better to, to actually prevent things to happen. But I think it's my character that really loves the, the vibe of having something that's like a dying person and you need to, you need to save that person. And, I actually do like it. I, I I know that's not something that you do want, but I, I actually enjoy saving a life there. In my own, I mean, I don't know whether it's the same for you, but in my own work, there's a lot of, not pressure, but almost expectation that I will do less performance engineering and I will help developers and testers do more for themselves. And I find it really challenging to get, to sort of rationalize how do I do this in a way which does the work's still going to be done right and high quality? Have you come across that at all? Steven, that's the most easy topic of my job. <laughs> <laughs> so this is totally ironic. Uh, it's something that I'm, f I'm facing actually now at my current job and I have faced it before. It's... Um, with DevOps and with Agile, they speak about uh, uh, self-managing teams and taking responsibility about what you're coding. And that's not only about functionality, but also performance, scalability, reliability, security. And uh, that's actually why I'm, I'm 
honestly looking forward at the next phase of DevOps because I really love DevOps, but I think it's ready to go to the next phase. And I will probably also help to push that in the in the industry because I believe there are better ways to do ICT projects. And why I'm saying this, eh? say that I'm going, that I'm taking an, a Python course eh? and I'm going to do a week of Python and I love it and it's great. And I know how to automate stuff and how to create, uh, how to develop using Python. But then they say to me, okay, Stan, you're going to do performance testing for the next month. And then suddenly there's one day I need to do Python again, but I haven't touched it for three months. So it's not going to be so good because I, I actually wouldn't remember too much. I don't have that hands-on experience. And that's actually why it doesn't work. Mm. That's actually why moving everything into a DevOps team just does not work and uh, they, they try to solve it with what they call uh, the shared capability teams or the system teams but um, for me that's nearly a little bit of an excuse to put the performance engineer somewhere because it can't be spread out of all over all the devops teams and i'm struggling with it i, I really do and I, i'm looking into uh performance testing as a service we call it and we are actually doing this now but what for me that means is providing devops teams with uh, instruments or with dashboards that they can actually interpret the results in such a way that uh, that is so easy that they can do it and that i don't have to do the setup of an environment and deployments and but taking some of the work away of me but making it making it so simple as one as one as two that they can't make any mistakes and if they don't know that they can still uh actually actually depend on me uh but for me it's, it's, it's a it's a it's difficult and i believe it's it's probably more possible when you're really into uh, when you're really, if your infrastructure is totally into the cloud with microservices and 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 everything has been built from scratch, but in all, in the whole of my career, I have never worked for for those organizations where everything is agile and every everything is like state of the art. I haven't, so I think what you hear if people talk about those uh, unicorns, it's uh, it's like not even one percent of the of, of all companies and the reality is completely different and that's where most of the performance engineers will struggle but i do like thinking about how to change it and it's about culture but it's about management supporting that change of culture into performance and actually acknowledging that there is a problem if they don't acknowledge that there is a problem and they don't want to invest in it then actually there will be no solution for bringing that knowledge into the devops teams i always say i have so many hours if it was my company where would i put those hours in what would i do if it was my if it was my company to make that company run as smooth as possible with the hours that i can provide to that company and Luckily, I am able to do that, so I can actually put priority around what I'm doing. But of course, if you have too many uh, value streams asking for your services and you don't have enough people, 
Yeah, it's 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 just a capacity problem, and that it is an issue indeed. But uh, for me, it's all about risk assessments, and I actually believe that we have done way too much testing, Stephen, in the past. I, I, if I see mm -hmm. what we have done in the past, uh, uh, then I'm going back uh, many many years, also with the fee model and waterfall approach that. Uh, I, I actually believe that we did way too much and that we uh, need to do less testing, but smarter testing, more automation, and also looking way more at production and getting value out of what happens in production, because what happens in production for me, that's testing as well. Even if that's real, real production users doing stuff, uh, you, you, you also know they leave traces and you can look into log files if you don't want to buy APM tooling but actually use that information because that's for free. You don't need to pay those people. They actually pay you to use the system and to buy stuff. So use that information as, as your last test into your own production system and, and use that to analyze and improve your systems continuously. Test really what's needed, the high risk stuff and try to automate your, your releases into production, but testing every single feature for performance is it's a, it's a no-no. It's just not what you do. Completely agree. Completely agree. The, and that's where I, you said the word risk assessment. I think a lot of people who listen to this won't uh, be familiar with what that is. But that's just, to, I guess, from, to summarize, it's rather than saying, hey, we're going to do some performance testing and here's the te here's the strategy, say hey we're about to release something or change an application let's ask the question what is the risk do do we need to do anything about it you know what are the chances of there being performance issues what would be the impact if there was if there, are, if there isn't a big impact if it's not customer facing if there's low numbers of users or if it's not business critical then probably it's a waste of time to performance test yeah and still you have production and uh, uh, for me that's that's I, I can actually decide I'm not going to test it, uh, but even even doing a risk assessment as a static test, uh, you're already testing by doing the assessment, and people forget that that's that's a test. The static test evaluating the risk is part of what we do. And if you then decide I'm not going to test, uh, it doesn't mean that you're not going to follow this up in production. And uh, and uh, for the moment, I have full access to production. I actually evaluate everything that goes live into production after go live. And uh, and yeah, that's that's a bit of a balance between money and and value. And and once again, I only have limited time, so spend your time very wisely and don't do it stupidly, because uh, that, that's not that's not what, what we are paid for. So you have full access to production. The same I have, what I mean, full access. I I do have to totally access to all the APM solutions that we have. I create own, my own dashboards. Uh, I don't have access to the real physical systems, but I can look. I can really look into the performance of the database of the of the the tiers and look what's happening with the features that we actually deploy. And I'm lucky that we do have APM tooling uh, deployed. I'm lucky that I understand APM tooling. I'm lucky that I can define my own dashboards. But for me, that's my final uh, test is actually after release, uh, looking what happens and also doing. And I know lots of people will get very scared about it, but we actually, on a daily basis, we do a regression test live in a live production system. So not in a, in a clone or in a on, on a real live production system. Every day we do a 
30 minutes peak load test. So we, we really push the system to the limits. And uh, we do that daily. Yeah, for me, that's 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 probably the most important test that I do because I do get, I, I probably have seen that, Stephen, on YouTube, people that take a picture of themselves every single day. And then you see them in 20 years, okay, they're getting older. And, uh, and you really see them evolving. And that's the same with, uh, with, with an application. When you really take that picture every day, not uh, re in a real life, you really see the application behavior changing and you can immediately uh, interact when it's possible, when you need to. And even APM tooling will not provide you with that because with the load on the system, it can always change. But if you do that, daily test it's always the same test that i do and uh, we do do that outside really bus busy times eh, when there's not much extra load on the system uh, so i really get that very nice picture of what's happening and, and and you know the framework we develop the framework to actually take the raw data of that test put it into a mysql database and then visualize it with tableau and we now have probably around 500 days of raw data and uh, it's wonderful. It's it's uh, for me that's the most powerful way of actually analyzing uh, your releases, but also your day-to-day -day performance of an application in production. And you need to be careful. But uh, the days, if people say, "Oh, you can't test into production," I think that we're going back to the waterfall model. Uh, we need to be way more progressive and use a production system also for testing. You are talking about APM before and how you have dashboards set up uh, in production and probably non-production environments as well. Do you, do you find that delivery teams look at the APM tooling or is it just you or if it isn't, if it's other people, who actually looks at APM? Why are you asking that question, Stephen? <laughs> well, <laughs> I think you know why. I have a reason. It's probably also linked to making the development teams responsible for performance, scalability, reliability as well. And it's uh, also linked to Agile and to DevOps. Eh? In a way, what we did with moving to DevOps, if you really think about it, we actually removed operations. In the old days, you had a team of operations that were their day-to-day -day job was actually looking at dashboards. And they were the smart guys, they didn't know anything about application, but they really knew everything about Oracle, about Tomcat or WebSphere, and, and, and they were looking at their own resources or Unix. And with, with DevOps, in a way, that has changed quite a bit. And uh, it's a good question because I do struggle there as well. Because what's the point of creating dashboards if no one looks at them? And that's also linked to that culture change that uh, why would you create a dashboard that's really useful if no one really looks at it? Why would you create health rules or why would you? create triggers if people don't look at the triggers or the WhatsApp messages or the emails that you send out. So that's a valid question and that's that's totally linked to culture. Yeah, there is, yeah it's complex. I totally agree. I was going to say, I mean, say you have a team and the, mm -hmm. currently the delivery team is not looking at production at all, There's, but there is APM there in dashboards. Mm -hmm. How do you how do you change that? How do you convince them, hey, this is a valuable thing to do? Or is it the job of the performance engineer to do that? Or should it be upper management or yeah, leadership? It's, 
boat. To start with, it's good that the performance engineers that, that, that they know about APM, that they actually understand what AppDynamics, Dynatrace, whatever it's doing, and that they actually uh, are, are becoming a specialist in APM tooling. And uh, I think two, three, four, five years ago, you had APM consultants that were only doing Dynatrace, AppDynamics or whatever. I, I think that this really belongs to a performance engineer. Um, that's one of the tasks that we do need to master. But then the next step would actually convince other teams to use those dashboards and understand those. And then the next phase would actually them to define what they want to see from those dashboards. And once again, all to do with the, with the culture change. And one of the things that we are looking at is really looking at the basics of the processes. Uh, there need to be processes in place that be that are being pushed by by management and that's that you you hear that everywhere if management is not aware of the problems that nothing will happen because then there is not a problem uh, but if say that i do think that performance is really important that the devops teams really need to do that and they actually invest in training in time in budget for those des devops teams to actually understand performance i think that's the that's the way to go and then uh, from a process point of view, make it happen as well, because it's easy to say that suddenly those DevOps teams need to take care of operations as well, while they're only on the job from eight till five or whatever. So who's going to look after performance after business hours, because it still remains into the... So I think we have a long way to go. And maybe, like I said before, I really believe that DevOps and going into scaled agile or whatever delivery model you're using, it's time for something new. Uh, because some things for me just don't work. And lots of things do work way better. But for me, it's now time to move on, learn from what didn't work, and specifically around performance, security, all the, all the things that are specialized, and take whatever didn't work and move it into a next phase. I'm really keen to see what that next thing, next thing looks like. You need, you need to help me with the next phase because I, I, I have ideas. And I think we as, as senior performance engineers, we all need to push for the next phase because we are suffering from what's happening now. Um, okay, so when I talked to, to Ben Rowan, he said that his mm -hmm. style of performance engineering was scientific and collaborative. When I, I did a podcast on what kind of performance engineer are you, I assessed myself as a a consultant and a deep diver. What's what's your style of performance engineering? Whoa, that's a deep question. I probably am a little bit of a motivator. I, I really like making people aware of the importance of performance. I'm an innovator in a way that I like to do things differently. In uh, some of the talks that I gave, I, I said I stopped Googling for a solution. I make the solution because I believe really that we need to go to something new. And I really, really like that. It's pushing the boundaries. And what we did before, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to do something new. Who else is doing it? I don't care. And uh, being goal-oriented, I call it. The reason that I do performance testing is not because I want to have a complex technical 
completely automated CICD aware solution. Now, this, the reason that I'm doing this is that I want to provide a good customer experience to people using the application. And if it's integrated with a CICD pipeline, if it's completely automated, if it's complex, if it's expensive, I actually don't care. If it takes me two minutes to provide that to the customer, and if it's manually, then it will be manually and it will be two minutes because it's goal oriented. I always take into account, why am I doing this? I think that's really important. Sometimes we lose a little bit of track about what are we actually doing? Completely agree. It's so easy to get caught up in the, the cool, fun, technical stuff and forget, hey, actually, the whole reason we're doing this is because of pretty much always something to do with customer experience, profitability, mm -hmm. brand reputation, uh, and I guess in extreme cases, uh, human well-being, as if you're like working on a medical application or an aeronautics application or something. What do you wish that performance engineers around the world would do more of? Two things. One... No, three things probably. What I don't like about some of the people is using bad examples as a reason why performance engineering is needed. Uh, I do see on LinkedIn quite a few people uh, advertising or making publicity about one company that completely screws up and fails. And that's the reason why we need performance engineering. I think there are way more better reasons why performance engineering is required and that are the good examples. Uh, I, don't, I also think that we need to stop pretending that we know everything because it's impossible. Some people, uh, luckily it's less, but there are some people that promote performance engineering as people that know everything and that's not the case uh, and that never will be. So really know what your strengths are and what you're able to do and don't, don't don't be worried about the things that you can't do because you you cannot master everything as a performance engineer. Totally impossible. Also, if you have that as an objective, forget about it because it's not possible and just focus on your strengths. And the other thing that we really need to do more is, is what I said before, use production and uh, really look at performance in a holistic approach. And and what I, what I mean, what holistic means is that if you have a if you have features going into production they go into a develop, design development they go into a release and then they go live so there are um there are different ways to test aspects of a feature and uh, it's the total sum of risk mitigations that you need to look at and that's the holistic approach and that goes indeed from development into test into production and as a performance engineer we are not focused on one little item. We are not doing that integration test and that's it. We should really look at the whole flow. And uh, and I think that we really should look at that uh, and, and really master the whole flow of an application and features and not being just focused on testing. You kind of already answered it, but the flip side to that question is, is there anything that you think performance engineers need to stop doing? Um, yeah, you know... Uh, I, I don't know if it's, yeah, why not? I'm just saying it. I call it, we should all stop doing McDonald's testing. <laughs> it's it's what, I, what I've been using quite a while and I've been doing that in the past as well. It's the, it's typically uh, you get an assignment for three, four weeks, you go to a client, you use the tool, 
you script something, you 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 run a load test, and you 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 actually probably email a report that actually comes out of a tool. And um, I've been doing that in the past because I just didn't know better, and it was really stressful. But if I look at the benefits that that kind of testing provides to a customer, it's extremely limited, and it actually pollutes the, the the benefits of a performance test or an engineer. It's its actually a waste. It actually drags our profession completely down because uh, it doesn't add any value. And it could be that something goes live and nothing happens, but that's sometimes it's really good luck because in four weeks, if you have a complex application, you cannot do anything in four weeks. And I really hope that if people listen to that and you own your company and and there is a company that provides a service for four weeks to actually prove that the performance of something completely new will be completely going well. I think that's totally bollocks, and I hope that we all stop doing that. And it's true, like you don't know beta until you've seen beta. With the last Neotis uh, performance advisory council, I talked about that as well. It's the it's scary yeah, that uh, in the first years that we are into the profession, we sometimes think that we know it all, and it's only by sometimes also by coincidence by by changing jobs and seeing how other people are doing it that you actually realize that what you were doing was maybe not perfectly okay uh, it's really cool Stephen. i really studied about oracle architecture and it's the first time that i and it's, it's also thanks to the Neoti spec because i wanted to do something completely different i said mm, i'm going to talk about oracle that i know God, how difficult is Oracle, but how wonderful is Oracle. And the things that I do know now about an Oracle instance, an Oracle database, it actually, I'm doing this for 20 odd years. I actually would do, with the knowledge that I built up over the last few months or few weeks, because uh, there were nights studying, uh, I would do things differently even a year ago. And that's, I think that's the strength. And also what we need to be doing is, as a performance engineer, we, we really need to continuously learn. And we need to, and that's that's what I enjoy as well. If there is a problem, uh, we say we need to work as a team. But for me, it's actually uh, working as a team. And hopefully you have someone that helps you. But also they will be your teacher of what you can do the next time yourself. And uh, I really like that. And uh yeah, Oracle is wonderful. If you talk about observability, Stephen, it's all about observability. Uh, if you see what you can do with Oracle and what you can what you can do for many many years, it's all about observability. There are so many they call it the, the performance views in Oracle that you can actually query to get information about performance. That I probably might turn myself into a, a, an Oracle specialist and, and, and just skip the whole performance engineering part because I really loved it. You you inspired me in my career. Hey, you got me on the path of performance engineering in the first place. But also just working with you, I, that's when I immediately thought, wow, this is really cool stuff. I want to work in this field. And other people who inspired me, Neil Davies, I learned you know, a lot of the really hardcore stuff around diagnosing issues I learned from him um, Richard Leakov I've been inspired by him as well and uh, just his whole approach to performance who are the people in your career 
who have inspired you or you've taken influence from? Yeah, it's a good question because I still remember when I when I changed jobs and I was introduced to Richard League that uh, in my interview someone asked me, oh, you do want to work with Richard League? And I said, who is Richard League? Because I really, I didn't have those people. Uh, I just didn't know. But uh, the people that I did know were James Pooley, Wilson Maher. And um, I did hear about the Whopper conference. And I thought, wow, those people are really, really clever. Also, Andreas Grabner, because I was getting into Dynatrace and looking at all the YouTube stuff that they are uh, publishing and they're doing a good job there. And I said, wow, he is cool as well. So lots of those people that I actually never met when I was still in my early days of my profession. And then I think it's like uh, I, I contributed to the Whopper conference in Marseille. That was uh, actually Neotis was organizing that Whopper uh, as a workshop of performance reliability. And I saw myself talking there and I said, gosh, this is where Wilson Maher and James Pooley uh, talked about. And, and uh, the first Neoti spec, the Performance Advisory Council, uh, Andreas Grabner, actually, he doesn't like Andreas, he's called Andy. He was sitting, sitting next to me and I was like completely scared because he was like, whoa, this is like, whoa, this is him. And... Uh, when you actually meet those guys, they're actually just normal people. They're really nice and they're really good at what they're doing and they're really helpful. And uh, that's what I took away of it. And that's uh, where also, for me, it's a mission to actually share as much knowledge as I, as, as I have, because I, I really, really believe, Stephen, that by sharing what we know, that we only make what we do better. That's that's why I probably uh, I, I really like it. It's the way that I do get feedback. It's uh, asking on LinkedIn. I don't I don't care about financial stuff. About being uh, having eight thousand followers is about actually connecting with people. It's understanding if what I'm doing is is it, it's good. It's what people think that we should be doing, and it's providing knowledge to people that actually want to get into the job and uh, it's when you ask me what do you what do you think that we do need to do more i think that we really need to do that more that we really need to put a lot of effort in, in sharing that knowledge because in the, in the previous talks you talked also about there is no you can't go to university to actually take a degree into performance engineering so it's up to us to provide that to young people i was speaking to alan gordon previously and he was saying the same thing it can feel quite isolated and lonely in performance engineering and building communities just to share ideas and experiences. Is, it's a huge thing and can go a long way to filling that gap. Probably on LinkedIn, I said it a few times, performance engineers are looking for a home. <laughs> and uh, it's, 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 it's probably something that's going on for years and nothing to do with, uh, with agile DevOps or waterfall model. It's, uh, the nature of what we do is that we do not really have a home. Uh, we don't have a community because we are so special that there are only a few people that we are always in, in the old days, you were probably doing your job into inside a 
uh, somewhere where no one wanted to sit next in the server room or whatever. So that was extreme, but uh, still nowadays it's just the same. In a way, we are still isolated. We are still special. No one really knows what we are doing. And um, I hope with the next movement and the culture change and and of of normal companies and not the top five, not not even the five top one percent of the world of companies, that that will change and that we actually do get a home and that we don't need to go to conference to say, oh, there's someone else that does the same stuff as I do, because sometimes really it does feel like that. Just before going to the the last question, I was thinking about. Uh, people have inspired me or uh, you, you might have found the same but sometimes it's not mentors or senior people who inspire me but either my colleagues or even people that I've trained uh, so there's a uh, for example Shrivali Apana who, who's my colleague she brings a whole bunch of new ideas which completely changed the way I think about performance so she introduced me to JavaScript programming in Node.js which I use for building utilities all the time now and I'm not going to mention her name but I'm training a grad right now who's really onto it really uh, enthusiastic and that's um, it's inspiring to see someone who cares about the work and is excited by it and seeing it for the first time I don't know if you've found that with I know you've mentored quite a few people have you found that at all? It's probably where I get the most pleasure out of. If I see, as an example, yourself, Stephen, if I hear yourself talking, doing all this stuff, I feel like, wow. And there are other people like uh, Nicole. She's doing a great job as well. Joey, who I'm training now, he's wonderful. I get a lot of joy out of training young people. And if they become better than me, so be it. It's what I want. So, uh, And indeed, uh, Joey is a... Uh, the, the graduate that is not a graduate anymore. He calls himself a junior performance engineer, but really isn't. Um, it's not about time that you're on the job. About it's about what you know. Yeah, what he has done with with this Python development and building our robotic analytical framework and really understanding what I wanted to build and applying all this knowledge. It's like wow, wow. <laughs> it's uh, it's something that I that I'm not able to do, and I think that. Uh, it's by combined effort and understanding what people are good in to actually build up a team of a profession that's that covers more and then um, going into a job or into a project it's not you that is doing stuff it's the team uh, but unfortunately still the team is it's uh it's only two three four people and there's too much work and that's what we really need to change all right the last question this is the doozy the big one <laughs> Ooh. here we go <laughs> exactly what do you think the biggest challenge facing performance engineering is right now the biggest challenge is about culture i'm repeating myself it's really building into uh into those devops teams development teams scrum teams agile teams the awareness of performance and really understanding what they can do what they can't do and being able to build up that knowledge across teams, more people understanding it, management teams that put effort and money into the innovation, reducing the technical debt so that you can actually innovate and build something stable. I think that's the challenge and that's why the whole, that we need to go to a different movement. And that's my view, I think that we, need still a combined specialized team of architects, performance engineers, security, 
APM consultants, senior development people that are all working together in a shared capability to provide services around non-functional non aspects, security, performance, scalability, reliability. And um, I don't believe that we are doing that correctly now. And, and that probably should change because you really can't expect from DevOps teams to be senior in performance engineering and security and scalability, reliability or whatever they can't, that's impossible. So having something different going forwards and working towards that is something that is in my to-do list. I'm, I might be wrong, but I think that the site reliability engineer role created at Google, it was a kind of like an attempt to do that, to say, to acknowledge the fact that we do actually need technical specialists who can't be in the teams and that's what the SRE role is for. I, I think we've been misusing it in the performance engineering field that it's actually, it's much bigger. It's not just about performance, it's about all those other things, reliability, security. That's I, right. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's where Google has, um, I love Google because they are really, really pushing the boundaries of performance and scalability. But uh, the site reliability engineer is mainly still looking after uh, of the production and not in the whole cycle of development into production. I, I, I had many discussions. Uh, you have that debate about SLOs, SLIs, SLAs. And for me, that's the same old discussion as we had with NFRs. And it's, it's, it has, I have spent hours and hours into meetings about defining NFRs and I thought, Maybe it's a little bit of a waste of time. And we moved away from NFRs. Now we define as LOs and, and, and what is it? Uh, budgets to actually decrease uh, your technical debt. I find it still a little bit theoretical. And uh, for me, it's a good attempt to go somewhere else. But I don't, I don't believe that we're, that we're there. I really think that there is something new, something something new needs to come that really covers us better but we are trying and we are changing and it doesn't happen quickly but steps are being made in the good direction Th thank you very much Zane. honestly uh, it's awesome to speak to you again it feels like a lifetime ago that we were traveling to dunedin <laughs> to do some performance <laughs> testing over a weekend and looking for penguins but uh it's been a good journey yeah, I do miss those penguins as well. I really, really like those. But thanks, Stephen. I'm always there. If you need questions to ask, if you need help, or you just want to have a talk, specifically in Corona being completely locked down, this is totally joy. This is my social life. So thank you for being part of my social life nowadays. <laughs> thanks again, Stain, for sharing your story. And thanks to all of you for tuning in once again. And as always, this is Performance Time. <laughs>